Hello and welcome to the Factory Founder Podcast. My name is Adam Wayfield, Managing Editor at Founders Factory Africa. On today's episode, we're speaking to Ope Onaboye, CEO and co-founder of Renda, who joins me at our Johannesburg office. Ope, how are you? Welcome to Joburg. Yeah, I mean, it's my first time in South Africa. Look forward to how you guys host me in South Africa. You know, <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Expectations, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing, growing up in London, I've always known that South Africa is probably the closest you'll get to Europe in Africa. In yeah, terms of, you know. that's, that's, that's a fair comment. Yeah. So in certain pockets, if I can put it that way. Yes. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I was looking forward to, I've always heard a lot about South Africa, and I think now, you know, coming in, you know, just being able to, I, I want to just explore this city, Cape Town especially, Okay. see what it's like, I and mean, then hopefully, you know, have some fun as well in the, you know, in the midst of please. it. Please. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to encourage a bit of tourism here. Yeah, please please spend whatever money that you can bring to help, to, to help the local economy. <laughs> and at least I know you now live in Lagos. It's very dry here at Joburg, but you're only here for a couple of days. If you're here for longer, I'd advise getting some chapstick, especially in winter, people suffer. It's, it's quite funny when they come, when they come here. But look, let, let's get straight into it. We're talking about render. So for those who don't know, can you please share me with the elevator pitch that you'd have for Renda. So basically, I mean, so Renda is a technology solution that provides um, access to the end-to-end fulfillment infrastructure that businesses require to be able to scale across Africa. So if you think about it, uh, businesses need access to storage. So we provide mm-hmm. access to flexible storage, inventory management for businesses, access to delivery infrastructure. So whether it's last mile, first mile or middle mile infrastructure. And most importantly, also, uh, we also provide access to cash collection infrastructure for businesses. So the idea is for us to aggregate the entire infrastructure onto one platform. Mm-hmm. What you currently have in the market right now are businesses that either do last mile, uh, you know, some in some markets that do warehousing, mm-hmm. some do first and middle mile, the haulage, you know, and so you never really have a platform that's bringing everything together. And you have some traditional players like DHL, UPS that are mm-hmm. doing it traditionally. But I think for us, we have, you know, we're trying to see how we can use technology to make it more accessible. We want to simplify the process. We want to make, you know, we want to optimize fulfillment for businesses. And most importantly, because we are using an asset light model, mm-hmm. unlike traditional companies. So we don't own warehouses. We don't own vehicles. We know that within Africa, a lot of this infrastructure already exists, but it exists informally. So you have so many people that own vehicles, but those vehicles are redundant. You have many, many people that own spaces and those spaces are redundant. So for us, we want to ensure that we put those assets to use. We want to aggregate and also, you know, being able to then digitalize this entire process for businesses. And so that's what Renda exists to do. We want to simplify. We want to make it easier for business. So as a business, we want you to be able to outsource your entire fulfillment mm-hmm. so that you can focus on growth, marketing, customer acquisition, you know, strategy without having to worry about how those orders are going to get to your customers. So that's what we're doing with Renda. Basically, our mission is to simplify order fulfillment and also um, retail distribution for businesses. Okay. So w- within the, the grand problem that you're solving for businesses is right now the market's fragmented in the different yes. solutions they need but you're providing integrated solutions especially within the logistics and, and operations process if i can describe it that way is that what you're solving in a sense providing far more increased efficiency which means cost savings that is it because a fragmented solution a, a fragmented system would be really you know costly for yes. these businesses if you have to go to one person another person another person we've seen that and if you think about right now within, especially I'll, I'll talk about Nigeria. Mm. Nigeria, because of the government policies, because of fuel um, increase, businesses are struggling with cost. So really, what that's and that's what really we are trying to solve for these yeah. businesses. How do they become efficient? How do they, you know, become much more cost efficient? Most importantly, I think that's what Renda does for business. And because we have, you know, our infrastructure is quite large, mm. so we have over two thousand drivers at the moment across Nigeria. So it means that we can literally get businesses the best 
value and also the best rates within our network. Same thing with our storage infrastructure. So I think that's what makes Render unique and that's what a lot of businesses you know, partner with us for. Yeah, especially right now, I mean, I mean, the, at this point, cost of living crisis is, is an oft overused term, but it's true. But if you can say 5, 10, 15% on the bottom line becomes highly attractive, which I guess is a nice segue into my question. You've had success already, but how big is the market that Render is serving in Nigeria? And you I mean, you've already answered this question, but in other ways, how do you add value to the customer? Honestly, I think for us, it's how do we ensure that we can help businesses to become more profitable. Yes. So you have businesses that come to us. And I mean, some businesses are spending as much as 10% on logistics. You know, and of course, if you think about their margin, think about how much this takes away from their margin. So for us, is how do we help you to save more money, right? So businesses typically come to us for a couple of reasons. First is, hey, we want to scale. So I want to move into a different part of the country. Please just set up the infrastructure for me, right? I don't want to worry about my logistics infrastructure within any, any market I'm moving into. So it just means that it can expand very quickly. So we have business that says, you know what? We have customers in some remote areas, right? And we need to serve these customers, right? Can you, you know, get us to these areas, you know? So we might set up a fulfillment center for them. We might set up a distribution center closer to their customers. Depends on what they need. And some people come to us and say, hey, you know what? You know, we need to save on logistic costs, you know? Going directly to the logistic provider costing us a lot of money. So we are able to use our network to get them the best rate. So I think for us, it's very much access, accessibility mm -hmm. to the infrastructure. Also, uh, ability to scale faster for these businesses because they don't know what to worry about the infrastructure. And also, you know, being able to become a bit more efficient and mm -hmm. also cost-effective. And those are the major things that we do for businesses. Okay. And then if we speak about the Nigerian market, I do think that people make the mistake of thinking of Lagos and Nigeria as the same thing. Meanwhile, I mean, it's, I know it's a country of 210 million people, but Nigeria is massive, even physically. So then what would even a person like me, I mean, I'm a South African, I take for granted here versus what's happening in Nigeria and also, where else is different in, in Africa, like i.e. what specific characteristics on the market in Nigeria would an outsider not understand? If they came to the market thinking, oh, I have the solution, it should work, but what are they missing that, that you already know uh, uh, as an operator in the space? I mean, so I grew up in London. I moved to Nigeria in 2015, right? And with the, you know, the idea was for me to come and save Nigeria. Right? My family didn't understand why I decided to move. It was like, you know, what are you trying to do? What's the, you know, but, but then, Nigeria is tough, right? I mean, you mentioned Lagos. Lagos is only one state out of 36, mm. right? And Lagos is about 20-something million people out of 200 million people. So that's just, I mean, Lagos seems to be like the, you know, the hub for, you know, economic activities. But when you think about logistics and commerce and, you know, and consumer goods, there's, in, there's the north. Mm. You know, there's a lot of goods that are moving out of the north, you know, produce, you know, uh, a lot of things that, that are coming out of the north. So I think, Except you've been to Nigeria, you wouldn't understand how complex Nigeria is as a country. Mm -hmm. Because you have so many different tribes, different religions, different parts of the country that are different in their own ways. Mm -hmm. Some people have massive landmass, but not massive population. And you have a place like Lagos that has, you know, the landmass is not that big, but huge population, right? And then the road infrastructure is bad, right? So coming into Nigeria to do business, you have to be ready to be tested. Mm -hmm. Because right now, this year, for example, I mean, last year, end of last year, Brenda was growing at a crazy, you know, at a crazy pace. We had much more demand that we could fulfill. We had literally every single day we were having about, we we're leaving maybe about 2,000 orders on the table unfulfilled mm -hmm. because, you know, we couldn't cope with the, with the demand. And then, you know, all our customers were on a, you know, on a high. And then suddenly, January comes and the government says, hey, you know what, we're going to change the currency or we're going to change the notes, mm -hmm. you know, the currency out of the blue. 
That's not the currency, you know, there's no currency in the market. Nobody can access it. And because we play in the commerce space, our customers couldn't get access to, you know, to money. Mm. So it means that our, our customers are struggling because nobody could order from them. So suddenly we went from having such a high demand to having no demand from our customers. Right. And that's, again, that has nothing to do with us or our customers. Then, you know, we came out of that and then a new government comes in and, and wakes up and says, you know what, hey, we're going to increase the price of fuel by 3x out of the blue. So again, how do businesses cope with that? So I mean, so I think Nigeria, the thing about Nigeria is you have to be prepared to deal with things that you don't expect, mm. right? Unlike places where everything is structured and everything works well, you have to know that you can wake up and anything can happen. So if you're not, if you're not ready to work in chaos, you cannot run a business in Nigeria because Nigeria is chaotic. How important is scenario planning for your business? Just to lean into that. I guess you could only plan for, in theory, what you can see in front of you. But do you, do you and your team think think about it that way in terms of managing risk, given currencies valuation, interest rates, and myriad of other other challenges that you may face? Infrastructure probably a, a major one. Do you do you spend a lot of time on scenario planning, or do you or do you rather focus on running a lean, well-oiled business? that is resilient to shocks because it's so well run, if, if I can describe it that way. I remember last year, right, mm. um, I paid a consultant, for, like, we did like a two months session working on a financial model for 2023. You know, November, December, it was intensive, day <laughs> and night. You know, I mean, it looks nice. Yes. It looks so good. So I feel like I know where <laughs> this is going. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I mean, I remember then, actually, you know, right? and it was nice. And then January comes in and suddenly everything you have done in November, December, crashes yes because and it's nothing within your control so that financial model becomes totally useless right one thing i always tell my team we always joke about it that we have too many meetings and i tell them i say you know what we're a startup and we're also a startup in a very unpredictable environment so it's important that we keep on having constant meetings because what the meetings does it's it reminds us of our mission Mm. but it also brings us back to the table to keep on having those check-ins and say, hey, this is our mission, but how are we doing in line with what is happening in the economy, right? So, I mean, so we, I mean, on Friday, we're in a meeting from like 10 in the morning till 10 at night, mm. right? So we're doing a lot of strategy work. We're working on some documents, myself and a couple of my team members, my senior leadership, but we do that a lot. We mm. see that, you know, we see that we're always constantly thinking, but the mission stays the same, but what you got to come to, you must have, especially as a startup, so I'm talking about startups here, Mm. you must have a flexible mindset, right? Because, I mean, mission is, hey, you know, this is what we want to achieve. Your vision is this is where we are going, right? But how you're going to get there would always change over a period of time. And you can't just be focused and say, this is it and this is it. So your strategy document has to be a working document. It cannot be a finished document, right? I I can't show you how, I can't tell you how many documents I have on my my laptop, how many Excel sheets, how many models I've created. (laughs) Right. But the good thing for us, and I mean, and the FFA team will tell you, the good thing about the render team is we move very quick. Right. We fail. I mean, I tell my, I mean, we, we, we fail very fast, which means, you know, when something is not working, you know, we move very quickly to, you know, to see how we can fix. So we don't sit back and, and you know, because you can't afford to be caught in one position for too long. So you want to move very fast. You know? So I think for me, anybody that wants to operate in Nigeria, you must be flexible in your thinking. And I always tell my team, if you're a startup in Nigeria, hire people that are not just competent, but hire people that are able to adapt very quickly. Because if you hire people that are just experienced, but they cannot adapt, when changes need to happen, 
they will struggle because they are stuck in how they were doing things. Mm. And I've seen that a lot, even with us. We've had to fire some people because they just couldn't move quickly to adapt to the changes we were doing. And it wasn't their fault, right? So I think having an adaptive, you know, ad you know, adaptable mindset and then also, you know, being flexible in your approach to business is, you know, and then being resilient, right? Knowing that, you know what, whatever happens, we have to make this work. We're not going to get, you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to leave this. We're not going to, you know, but we have to make it work. So I think those are the things that I would say makes it work, you know, up to a level in Nigeria. Well, you spoke about communicating in your team, and I think communicating is underrated skill. When you're looking at the numbers and internal reporting, how quickly or how fast is the reporting cycle from, from the data you receive from the market? Are you looking at it from a weekly basis, daily? Um, is, it a, is it a live system reporting? Just how, So you manage this risk and, and the adaptive changes in markets. I guess, how, how often are you looking at the bottom end, if, if I can put it that way? Oh, we have live data. I mean, we have hundreds of spreadsheets. Live data. Live data. Mm -hmm. I mean, so we, I mean... I mean, in my office, they know me. I'm very data-driven. So I have, I mean, if I'm sitting here, I have dashboards. So I have my weekly reports, mm. um, and it gives me every single data on the business on a week-on-week -week basis. Then my operation, I mean, we also have a week, a, a daily basis, a daily you know, report across the country, across Kenya. So for us, we are, I mean, we are knee-deep in data. We want to ensure that we know everything that's moving, every transaction, every customer, every location, every region, what are they doing, what are the challenges. So I think because of the kind of business that we run, which is very data-driven, we are constantly live on our data. Mm. And yeah. And then when speaking to the team, how do you go about making decisions? Let's say you have to pivot or change a value proposition for markets. How do you go about making a decision internally? What does that process look like? Even from consultation to endpoint, and ultimately, I know you're a leader of the business, does, does the decision rest with you? Or is it more of a committee style? I know committees ha have their flaws. I'd ask that question just to provide, but decision-making is hard, especially you have to do it regularly. So what's your process to making a major decision? I think as a leader, your job is to ensure that your people trust you, hmm. right? You know, your people need to trust you. They need to know that your job is not always to be right, right? That's a burden you mustn't carry, right? You can't never always be right. I was, I was just telling Paula just now that I made it, you know, I, I made a decision recently that didn't turn out well, right? And I was able to admit it, mm. that, hey, you know what, you know, and I, I mean, and I tell my team sometimes, I mean, when I make mistakes, I will tell my entire management team that, hey, guys, I, I, made, I made this. And they know, they know that most times I get it right in terms of decisions, but many times. So when I say, let's go this way, they will always question me, of course. They'll say, mm. hey, are you sure, you know? Should we go? But then I'll say, okay, hear my point of view. This is what I... And most times also, I'll say, what do you think? Right? So I can give like a... So what I tend to do is I tend to give like a top-level sort of, you know, decision or a top-level direction and say, hey, you know what? This is what I'm thinking from a top. And then you guys help me break it down granularly. Right? Because if they can do that, then they, they bring down to the level, implementation level. Right? So it means that they can look at the things and come back and say, you know what? Hey, I've looked at what you said we should do. Mm. These are some of the things we've seen. So if I, I mean, and of course, because they are, you know, I, I don't have a logistics background. Mm. I like to solve problems, but you know, I'm not as competent as they are. So I give them what I'm thinking and say, this is what I'm thinking that we should do. And they'll go and look at it from a technical point of view and come back and say, you know what? We've looked at it. We like it. I mean, we have, yesterday we on the call, Saturday, no, Sunday. You know, when we call about a product, you know, I was because I wanted to make a decision about something, and mm -hmm. I so I grabbed up my five. I say, you know what, guys, let's go on the WhatsApp call. I'm thinking about this. What do you guys think? So everybody gives the opinion. I say, okay, you know what? What you know? What's the consensus? Because whatever we decide, we're going to go with. So I think again, leadership has to be flexible. Sometimes you have to say, guys, this is what I want us to do. 
but also ensure that you also have that inclusive leadership sometimes. When you are able to mix the two, your team, your team will trust you that, hey, we are being carried along and they also trust you that, hey, you know, we trust our leader, right? So when he says we should go this direction, even if we might not 100% agree with him, we will go with him. So I think leadership is not necessarily always about being dictatorial and just say, you know, let's go. When you hire people that know what to do, bring them in and have that, you know, that ability to just be, you know, just be authentic, right? Yeah, so I think that's one thing I'm, I'm learning how to do. Uh, be authentic. Don't think you know everything. Don't be the leader that just thinks, you know, lean on your people's experience. And I have some amazing people mm. in my team, some very smart people, amazing people. You know, my co-founder too. You know, most times, I mean, she's my, you know, she's my, I mean, she's my sister, you know, but, you know, she's very much of a product person. But most importantly, also, I think when I'm making critical decisions, I'll just go to her and say, you know, hey, Bimbo, what do you think? And then she'll give me, a, you know, her honest opinion without mm -hmm. any, you know, she's very frank. So I think I'm, I'm grateful for that. So she helped me to see things I don't see. So I lean a lot on my team. Mm -hmm. That's my, that's, that's where I lead and that's my own style. And hiring people, I think, that have the right personality. I think you talked about agility, but the... <laughs> to have an agile personality where they have the strength to also, it's hard, especially if you come from a hierarchical, let's say you come from a corporate where it's very hierarchical, you don't usually question your boss's decision. So I guess that comes down to the hiring process. I'm not speaking about the skills as much as the EQ, if you could put it that way. I mean, you're full-time at Render, but you're also the founder of Proton International, which to quote, works within the field of consulting and human resources. Yeah. It's quite different. I mean, you just said you're not, you're not quite explaining <laughs> logistics. It's very different from where Render operates. What value have you received from operating Proton? Uh, and I mean, you founded this pre-Render since opening Render in terms of experience and, and probably your diversity of viewpoints. So, don't, don't worry, you're not the first person to call it Proton. It's Proton International. Oh, <laughs> It's okay. It actually means nothing. People always ask me, what, where, where did I get the name from? I always said, um, it came, I, it actually, there's nothing interesting. You know, it's just, so I've always been in business, right? I've never done a nine to five. I've never, you know, and I think coming out of university, I studied computers, you know, computer science with business management, mm. right? And, um, I remember, I, you know, I came out, I started, you know, I, I went into, I did, this was in London. I, I just went to my friend's house, printed out a business card you know, on the printer, and I started, you know, went into a state agency, just started renting out property stuff for people. And then I started Proton then because I saw that there was a lot of young people that wanted to start businesses mm. and they just, they just didn't know how. And that was, you know, and I thought, you know what, I want to help people. And that's how I started Proton. So over the years, it started by just, you know, being this people development business. And then I realized that HR is actually a vehicle that I could use to expand this business. Again, I didn't know anything about HR, but I knew that that was a vehicle that I could use. So it became an HR consulting firm. Not necessarily, I mean, I didn't start out wanting to be, I just wanted to, you know, develop people. Mm -hmm. And I knew that HR was one of the vehicles. So I sort of, and then from, and then that was 13 years ago, 2010. And so we came from the UK, now in Nigeria, one of the top consulting firms in Nigeria now. And then 360 Verify is another company that I founded a couple of years ago out of, you know, Proton International. And we just help companies to really do Verify employees. Mm -hmm. So that was really a problem we saw from Proton because we're delivering HR service and we're, okay, people need verification service, so we set up a company on its own. And that, that's also doing quite well. But with Render, so 2020, I got a bit tired of Proton, right? I was like, oh, okay, I've done this. I'm a bit tired. Let me find something else to do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there was a friend of mine that, you know, 
I don't want to call it my ex-girlfriend because I would, that would be giving too much credit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know, I'll use the word friend. You know, friend. Okay. Yes. <laughs> even though, even though I know what the truth is, but yes, it was a friend of mine that you know that I remember. Then I was just I was looking for something to do, and then during the pandemic, she started a fashion business, mm. and you know, she used to buy lots of items, keeping a like keeping a room in a you know in a in a flat and. You know, and I just, and then she, the business was growing quite quickly, and people were ordering. So I, I used to watch her every day. Literally, call about five logistic companies, say, "Hey, you know, the first one to come, you know, because reliability was was shabby. So anyone that comes first, she'll give it to them." And then the entire day, customers will be calling, "Hey, where are my items? Uh, What's happening?" You know, and then she'll be spending the entire day chasing people around. I was like, "Okay, huh? Okay." And then one day it started raining, and I think the roof leaked, so the the, the you know the items got damaged. Mm. And then when she was parting the inventory, she realized that. Her house help has actually stolen some of the items over a period of time. So I thought, there's a problem here. Yes. You know, you're worrying about where you're keeping your stock. You're worrying about the safety of your goods. And most importantly, you're spending every day chasing how many logistic companies. Definitely something should be able to simplify this entire process for mm. you. Because how are you going to grow your business if this is what you're doing every day? And that's where the idea came from. So early in 2020, I was just sitting there one day, early morning, and then the name render came to me. I didn't know what it meant. And I went online. And then I saw a meaning, or I saw like a translation. It said it's a South African word that means praise or something. I don't know. It just, I just, that was the first translation I saw. I'm like, mm. okay, interesting name. So I wrote it down somewhere and I just didn't do anything with it. So when I, okay, so I wanted to solve this problem that, you know, that this person had. And then I just, okay, I have a name, Render. You know, I didn't even know it was called fulfillment. I didn't know it was a logistic. Yes. I just thought, you know what, I want to solve this problem. So and then we started on the journey. We started building an app. I just said, you know what, let's leave the app. Let's just get into the business and mm. understand it. And we just started, you know, aggregating, you know, bringing providers together. So the five people that she was struggling with, let's bring them together. Let's manage that situation. Let's digitalize it. Let's make it more easier and simpler and smoother so that she doesn't have to face that yes. craziness. Let's aggregate storage spaces so that she doesn't need to store in the house, right? We can process the orders for her. She can just focus on growth. Right, push out the orders to us. We can, you know, and that was where the idea for Render came about. So for me, I think, and I think even till now, I don't see myself as a logistics company CEO. Mm. I see myself as someone that is solving problems, because when Render first started, I mean, for the past two years, we we're very operational. The FFA team that works with us will tell you that when they first invested in Render, we were very operational. So many people in the warehouse, hundred or something people. Now we've become a technology company that is using technology to power fulfillment. Right. And we've released version one, version two of our platform within five months on the FFA program. Right. And I think for me, now I've become a tech CEO that is using technology to, to provide a solution. But again, and it's because I've never seen Render as a logistics business. I've just seen it from a problem, you know, from the problem standpoint, which is how uh, the same problem I saw two years ago or three years ago. How are we still solving that problem? Whether for FMCGs, for manufacturers now, for biggest e-commerce businesses that are using us, for the retail guys that are using us, it's the same problem we're solving. And it's still the same thing. So I think that's the way I look at business. Find a problem that you care enough about. In my case, somebody I cared enough about and then you found a problem. Mm. And focus on the problem. I find a lot of people, you know, even we get, I mean, I was still thinking about it two days ago. If you're really going to build anything you know, sustainable, you have to really become customer obsessed, which is really, what is it? And if you keep on doing that from a tech point of view, from a feedback point of view, from a service point of view, just constantly think about 
What is it that matters to the people I'm serving? And I think that's what we've been doing a lot at Render. You know, so even when it makes a lot of conversations easier, mm. the leadership conversations, we are constantly thinking about those people that are using our service. You know, so even my leadership team, they're constantly in our customers' faces. So I think that's one of the things that I've, you know, that I've always tried to imbibe, right? So that's why you see me, I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to do anything else after Render business-wise. I think I've, you know, I think... I've done. <laughs> I think, I, I think I, I've been used to startup wise. I think I just need to go retire somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, so that's why you see me just taking on different challenges. So yeah, you're the restless type. Beyond, beyond yeah. the business opportunity, I can imagine it's just you mentally engaged with trying to solve the problem. Yeah. Would that be true? I think I'm obsessed with solving issues. Right. I, honestly, I think I, I don't know how to put it. Mm. It's not about the business for me, right? I just like to, it's like, I'm obsessed with setting goals and achieving those goals, mm. right? And I think I'm also, I love just, there's an adrenaline that comes in when I, when we, like, when we say we're going to do something and I see us doing it. So every day I wake up, I look at my Excel sheet. Okay, I've met our target for this week. We said we we're going to do this number this week. Did we do it? Mm. You know, version two, like, you know me in my office, I'm like, version two is supposed to bow on the 15th. What's happening? Where's Vision 2? What's what are we doing about it? Why is it not? So they know that, hey, you know, you can't go to a pair and say that, you know, we're these like, guys, where's Vision? You know, if FFA, FFA is like, okay, you sure you're gonna do it? I'm like, listen, we have to do it. And even they get surprised, they're like, how did you guys do it? Mm. Like, listen, it has to be done. Yes. You know, and everybody knows that. So I think I'm obsessed with just being able to know that we set ourselves a goal and then we we are seeing it happen. So I like watching things, you know come to life, yes. right? whatever, whatever that is. I think that's my obsession and I don't know. If you, if you could direct it into business, you know, why not? Especially, yeah. especially if, if, if you enjoy it, enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Two final questions. You work hard, all founders do, but everyone has bad days and your time is limited. How do you keep perspective and how do you take your mind off work when you, when you want to take a bit of a break? I mean, so I watch a lot of, I call them abnormal shows. Abnormal shows? What's yeah. an abnormal show? I mean, so I mean, maybe I could, you know, I'm sitting on my partner. We're watching Big Brother Africa. Okay. Or we watch reality shows. We watch yes. Love Island, Love is Blind, right? So we watch a lot of like, you know, I call them abnormal shows because, you know, she could be watching it and I'll, 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 I mean, so I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I'm not interested. <laughs> you know, I'm, like, you know, I'm not interested. And it's just like, you know, I'm like, oh, who's that? It's like, oh, you know. And then next thing I'm sitting down, I'm like, you know, go back to season one, you know, or yeah, you know, I can't remember what we were watching recently. We we're watching something. She wasn't she was watching something, so I walked yes. into the room and then you know, so she's like, she then has to catch me back on you know, there. She has to like give me, no, that's that's that person. You know, that's that person. And next thing we're sharing memes on, you know, on Instagram, you know, <laughs> about that show. And I think for me, that's the part that a lot of people don't get to see, right, about me. People think that I'm this serious person. But honestly, behind the scenes, I just watch a lot of reality shows. Right, I could sit on Netflix like for two days. Mm. If you go on my laptop, I mean, if you go on my iPad, the, the shows I've downloaded to watch on, on, on the, I mean, I watch a lot of. So those are the things I do mm. to, because I, mean, I love talking to my daughter. Mm. She likes shopping. She likes, you know, I don't know. So she's always, you know, buying something or doing something. You know, but I think for me and also my sisters, I think for me it's just, you know, I, I have to be intentional about taking, you know, Taking, now, now, now I do that a lot more uh, than before, right? Now I do that a lot. My intention, I just take time off, right? To just do things, yes. right? 
Uh, maybe after after work, I just go in front of me for like two hours, mm. watch some reality TV show, just dumb down my brain a bit. Right. And then I go to sleep. Zone out time. Yeah. No, I know those drive bars. I've done it before. My wife would be watching, so I'm maybe walking past. So it's like a drive bar. <laughs> and then two weeks later, I can't remember. I've done it, but when she gets irritated with me, like, oh, what's happening? It's like, you should just watch from the start. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I got really I'm interested. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness, is that, is that Ben? What is yeah, Ben doing? And then every now you just ask how a character's doing. And so I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. No, but it's good to know. Uh, it's just, in a way, you're a healthy life work balance that suits you. I think it's just yeah. in some way, which yeah. comes from experience a little bit to state yeah. that. And then my last question, what's the best piece of advice you ever received and why? Everybody can build a cake, but you have to find the cherry on your own cake, mm. right? And I remember this, a mentor told me that years ago. Anybody can build a product, right? If they're an engineer, mm. they can get on and build a product. But you must constantly ask yourself, what is it that I'm going to do that's going to be different? Right. Uh, anybody can build a logistics platform. Mm -hmm. Anybody can build, you know. And that's what it means. And that's what I always tell my guys. There's a book I read. There's a book I tried. Well, I always read. You can see like a million books in my house. And I've only mm -hmm. read one chapter of each of those books. I don't know. It's like, I don't know why. Don't ask. I don't know why. But um, there's a book <laughs> I picked up recently and I read one chapter. Yes. So, and it says... Don't protect your idea. Protect the speed of execution. Right? Because anybody can come up with ideas, but what you need to protect is how fast you're executing. Mm. It means that when somebody's trying to copy you, right? while they're copying, they're only copying what you have yesterday. Right? So people think ideas are the, you know, ideas change the world. Mm. No, execution changes the world. So you've, got to, you've always got to ask yourself, what is it that is the cherry on top of my cake. Because if you keep on thinking like that, while somebody's still like, I mean, we've just launched a new website now. Mm. And I can tell you, I mean, we, we're launching our version two of our platform. Somebody goes on a platform and takes, ah, oh, this is nice, I'm going to copy it. But right now, we're already working on the iteration for version three. Mm. <laughs> right. And I'm already, I mean, we're already making a list of what we need to move to. to you understand? So, and, I, and that's why I always put up my team. Let's move as fast as we can. Because it means that while somebody's trying to look at what you're doing, mm. you're already in the future. Right, so I think that's one thing I've learned. Anybody can build a cake, but always think about the cherry that you're going to put on that cake, because it keeps you, you know, it keeps you at the forefront of the game. Hundred uh, percent. Okay, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you on the Factory Founder Podcast. We've run out of time. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Also, just relating to to being drive bars with your wife shows. Your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Which I appreciate yeah. it. Just last question: If anyone wants to learn more about Render and just reach out, where can they go? Render.co. It's our website. You can also email us, hello at render.co. But if you go on our website, I mean, this, um, you can literally um, reach out to us through that. You can reach out to us on any of our platforms, mm. Instagram, Facebook, email, anything. I mean, we are very uh, we're very much available. We are actively live right now in Nigeria and Kenya. Mm. We're still thinking our next market is either going to be South Africa or Egypt, mm. you know, depending on how, you know, South Africa treats me on this trip. You know, I'm not riding on it. You know, please, uh, <laughs> as a South African consumer, please come because I could, I could really appreciate some improved customer service. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I, I could, I could about that. I've been thinking about it, but right now we're in Nigeria and Kenya. We're mm. dipping our, our, our thing, but yeah, you can reach us on our platform. We're very easily reachable, and please feel free to ask us any question. Right. Well, you heard it. You heard it straight, straight from Ope. Uh, you have a question? Reach out. Please, please ask Renda. And with that, this is the factory building Africa. Ope Onaboye has been the founder on today's show. Thank you for joining us.